right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, this Easter Sunday, the fact that your son has risen, and because of that, we have life, and I pray that we'd never, ever, ever take that for granted, God. And as we talk about singleness, um, that we could view it from the proper perspective, that for those that are single, that we would not let a singleness drive us to despair. For those of us that are dating, that we would um, you know, teach us to have compassion on single brothers and sisters, and for those that are married or about to be married, that um, we could still see uh, what your word has to say, God, and um, that we could worship you even through talking about dating and singleness, God. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Christian singleness. So let me kind of walk us through what we're going to talk about over the next uh, next 40 minutes or so, and, um, and then next week as well. So uh, we're going to talk about just... The, the theology of singleness. We're going to talk about um, how how does the gospel speak to singleness. And actually, if you look at your worksheet, there's a lot of um, a lot of text. So we're going to go through. We're going to learn some biblical history as well, and we'll see how um, marriage and singleness and family fit into that. And then also after that, um, we'll talk a little bit about just like what singleness is, maybe what it means to us. And next week we can talk about some of the more practical things we can consider as we. Uh, as single people, what we can do or, I don't know, say, I don't know. Like Dumb said, we, have, we can do, can let, learn some Christian pickup lines <coughs> or something. I didn't say that. <laughs> it sounds like something you would say. Oh, dang. I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, we shall get started. So before we get started, let me, um, uh, I know that... Uh, so you guys come to Sunday school because you just come every every time there is Sunday school. But then, um, why? What what type of what would you want to learn um, in a class called Christian singleness? Like, what were your expectations coming in? Well, I didn't. I thought the Bible didn't talk about dating, so I wanted to hear what God says about singleness mm-hmm. as opposed to dating. Okay, so I cool. find that interesting. Yeah. Good point. Did you guys know that there's no such thing as dating in the Bible? Mm, I heard interesting. Yeah. What else? What What are you hoping to learn? I don't know. It's just like what it means to be single as a Christian and like being okay with it or like not like the religious view behind it. Yeah. yeah. So pretty much just echoing what Christians saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else? Okay, well, I think we'll uh, we'll learn. I I I know that uh, I've been single all the way up until now, and I'll be single for a few more weeks. So um, I don't know. I don't know that I have much more wisdom um, than like anyone else my age. But then I, I guess I'm a little bit older than some of you guys, and uh, so I think we can maybe like for those of us that are older, we can like gather a collective wisdom, and you guys can share your insights as well. Uh, maybe towards the end of this class and then into next class as well. Welcome, guys. All right. So let me uh, let's talk about the. And I want to set the framework for us to think about singleness. So before before um, before I get into this text, um, let me just say that there is like when I, when I was doing research for this, I was like reading a bunch of articles. What does it mean to be single? What's the Christian way of dating? And what? Um, how can we? Wait, wait on our spouses, wait on our future girlfriends or boyfriends. Um, and I didn't consider the fact that there actually is uh, a biblical, something very solid underneath 
uh, how we should think about singleness and how we should think about dating and all this stuff. So it's this right here. So in Genesis, let me, um, uh, we've got a couple things that, um, that point out what's the relationship between man and man and woman. So point number one or Roman numeral one, man and woman in Genesis. So they're commanded to procreate. Um, you know, what's funny is, uh, this is the first, very first commandment to man. It's not love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's actually the greatest commandment. But the first commandment in the Bible is to be fruitful and multiply. So what needs to happen? What two things need to be in place for procreation to happen? <laughs> it's it's a man and woman, right? There needs to be a man and woman in order, and then something needs to happen between them in order for procreation to happen. So God has this in mind from the very beginning of time, starting with the sixth day. Um, God made man. He made uh, he made Adam, and then. Uh, he gave the command to be fruitful and multiply. He said, basically, make lots of babies. Um, so, from the very beginning of time, God has in mind someone for man. Okay? Uh, two main purposes of marriage. So, we see this in Genesis 2. Um, the first is companionship and intimacy and assistance. So, um, Carissa, can I have you read Genesis 2.18, please? All right, thank you. So, uh, companionship is one of the purposes of marriage. So, intimacy, um, assistance, helping each other out. Second one, procreation. Um, Dumb, can I have you read Genesis 2.24, please? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Thank you. So, here's it's talking about the physical act of becoming one flesh. So, when man and woman, um, when when they like are intimate, they become one person. And this is this is be, becoming united, and this is the the purpose of of uh, intimacy. One of the purposes is is for there to be babies made. So this is another um, purpose of marriage. So companionship, intimacy, and assistance, and procreation. Okay. So let's just think about man and woman in those terms. Okay. So yes. So one flesh immediately means procreation because I don't. Um, it's in this context it does, but then in the larger context, I know that Michael's going to talk about um, Christian marriage in two weeks, and he'll talk about what it means to be united, what it means to be one flesh, and there's so much more than that, right? It's more than just physical; it's like in every aspect, two people becoming one. But in this context, it's talking about procreation. Okay, yeah. not just the intimacy of two people, because what if they can't have children? Yeah. But in that context, it says that it's yeah. purely procreation. Um, in this context, because um, this was before the fall, so before, I mean, barrenness and mm. um, not being able to have children, that okay. wasn't a problem that existed. I'm sure that this included, like, mm. emotional and um, whatever types of intimacy there are. Um, but for this one, it's it has in mind procreation. Okay, so we're going to get into some biblical theology right now. So I hope that we don't tune out just because we're like, what does this say about dating? I'm going to build a foundation and we'll bring it to uh, something really awesome, all right? So, um, the covenants promise offspring. So, do you guys know what a covenant is? Yeah. A covenant is a promise. Also like a contract, right? A contract. 
So there are two types of covenant. One of them is, like you said, promise. This is a grant. So, um, in one sense, a covenant is something that cannot be broken. Like, it doesn't matter what you do, God is going to be good to you. God is going to keep his promise to you. So that's one type of covenant. The other is contracts. Uh, who said contracts? Was it you? Okay, so this is another type of covenant where um, both parties have to hold up to to the end of the deal. So um, two parties hold. So we'll we'll talk about both these types of covenants. Okay. So the first Adamic covenants. This is referring to, of course, Adam of Adam and Eve, and um, Neiman. Can I have you read Genesis three fifteen? We'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. All right. So what this promise says is, there's the promise of offspring, isn't there? Offspring, children. This is, um, they call this verse the Proto-Evangelion. This is Greek for the first good news or the first mention of the gospel in the Bible. So guess who the, um, guess who the, uh, oh, this, we need to look at um, Genesis 3.14, which says that there is a, a serpent and there's also a woman. And it's a woman that bruises the serpent's head. And um, the serpent will bruise a woman's heel. So it's basically saying, in a nutshell, it's saying that the work of Satan will be crushed and good will prevail. Um, so I want to focus on offspring right here. The covenants promise offspring. So if you look at every covenant in the Bible, every covenant promises that God will give you children, will give you land, will give you um, uh a name that will be blessed and honored. But the main thing is offspring. So the very first covenant in the Bible has this, has this uh, concept of having children. Okay? Um, the Abrahamic covenant. Christine, can I have you read Genesis 12, 1 through 3? Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Thank you. And then, Ashley, can I have you read Genesis 13, please? I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. All right. Thank you. So this is probably—so this is a huge promise, and this—actually, this is a covenant that runs— throughout the entire Bible, this Abrahamic covenant. A few things I want to point out here. Um, what's promised? Uh, look at, maybe there's some stuff that didn't bold, but then what has God promised to, to Abraham in these two verses, or in these two passages? Not that obvious, but then keep, um, keep with you the covenant. I'm 
<clears throat> All right. So, what's really crazy about this is, um, if you guys remember the story of Abraham, Abraham was cut off from... So, this is like... Imagine, like, here's, like, Abraham. And then he has really long arms. <laughs> so... Um, he has his like his whole like his land right here, and he has his future and stuff like that. Um, so any normal person, they would they would stay with their land. They would te- they would um, intend to stay there their whole life and find a wife, find a wife, have children in this one place. Because people back then they were not as mobile as we are now. Like it took them like two days to go like ten miles, right? So like for us we can go ten miles in like five minutes, right? But um. So God is telling Abraham, you go out and you uh, you just obey me, you listen to me. And by obeying God, Abraham cut himself off from this land right here. He cut himself off from the only life that he knew. So there's nothing for him to rely on. And also, um, I don't have it in this passage, but then also God tells Abraham, um, you're going to have a son, right? Do you guys remember uh, who Abraham's son was? Isaac, right? But then Isaac, at, at this point, Abraham did not know that for for totally, like, he, it was just hard to believe that he would have a son because, remember, he was old and um, so he cut himself off from the future. So God's promise encapsulated both the land right here, what the, the, your home, it also promised the... Um, future but abraham was all alone there's he was completely cut off from what he knew he was he was cut off from any certainty of the future and everything hinged on one thing and it was to have a son okay so keep in mind to have a son what needs to happen procreation, procreation sex. sex and what needs to happen before sex and procreation Woman. marriage and what about what what needs to happen before that <laughs> You need a woman, need you need a woman right? <laughs> you got I mean, so at this point, like Abraham did have did have a um, did have a wife, but but keep in mind that um, uh, yeah, just so just keep that in mind, okay? Because I'm setting this up. I know I'm kind of like going in a roundabout way to talk about dating and marriage and singleness, but keep that in mind. He was completely cut off from what he knew. He was completely cut off from what he thought he would have. Okay, so um, let me let's go through uh, some more. Uh, covenants, the Mosaic Covenants. I just want to spend just a few more minutes because I don't want to spend too much of our time. Um, John, can I have you read um, the Mosaic Covenants? The Mosaic Covenants, you guys remember remember what this is? It happened on a mountain. Sinai. Sinai. Okay. What happened? What was given on Mount Sinai? Okay. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given. So, um, this is Deuteronomy seven eleven. Oh, I'm sorry. So, this is found in Exodus. But then we're going to read about um, how offspring is proof that you've kept the commandments of God and that you. Are blessed by God. So John is going to read Deuteronomy seven eleven through fourteen. Offspring is a sign of conventional blessing. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. 
And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of the womb. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your livestock. All right. What type of co- contract is the Mosaic Covenant? Promise or contract? What kind of covenant is that? Contract. Because God is saying, in order to be blessed, you need to obey my rules. Right? Is that what you guys see here? In order for you to be blessed, you need to listen to what I say. And what does he say? What is a sign of the blessing? It says here, you'll you'll have offspring. You'll be multiplied um, there will be no male or female barren among you or your livestock. So if you have children, uh, it's a sign of God's blessing, meaning that you had, you were able to have sex, meaning that you were married, meaning that you were able to find a mate. Okay? So in the Old Testament, if you weren't able to find a mate, that was a sign that God's curse was upon you. Um, we see that here. Uh, Deuteronomy 28. Um, okay, can I have you read 28, 15, 16, and 18? If you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb. All right. If you don't obey the Ten Commandments, what happens? No children. All right. So in the Old Testament time, it was such a huge thing to have children. Why? Because um, a couple reasons. Number one is because, of course, if you have children, most of the time you're going to be you're going to be happy you have children. So children, um, it was also a, a way for you to continue your name. So um, honor and respect was a huge thing in this culture. And if you didn't have any children, there's no one to carry on your name. So there was a legacy that was left. Um, and then this, uh, God talks about this in Deuteronomy 28. I won't, we won't have read the whole thing, but then, Look at what I have bolded. It says that the Lord will blot out your name. And how is your name blotted out? Um, It's not only that you yourself will die, but it means that there's not going to be any offspring to carry out your name. So, getting your name blotted out. This is a sign that you have broken God's commandments and a sign that you are cursed. Meaning, if you're childless, um, you won't be able to... uh, if you're chalice, it means that you have not kept God's commandments. So, this is really interesting because back in the Old Testament day, guess guess what percentage of people married? 100. Almost 100%. I'll say like 99.999999% marriage rates. Compare that to today. I think the, the marriage rate today is, um, I'm not sure, like 60% maybe. And it's over the few, past few decades... It's dropped. So a lot fewer people are married now than back then. So they didn't have, like, online dating services. People did not have to, um, like, really, they didn't, a lot, most people did not worry about finding a mate because they knew that, hey, even if I'm ugly, even if I am disgusting, um, someone's going to marry me because this is just what people do. You're practically guaranteed to find a wife. You're practically guaranteed to find a husband. So back in, back in this day... Almost everyone married. We have some exceptions. Like one of them is Jeremiah. Uh, if you guys um, remember, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. And um, his life was a life of hardship because God is telling them, you're going to reflect 
the curse of the people. You're going to reflect the pe- you're going to reflect the state of the people that you're you're preaching to. And so uh, Jeremiah, he was single, childless, and um, I would add in there. I don't know. I don't know if this is totally true, but I would say like because he was alone, he was lonely because. Um, Singleness and childlessness was a sign that you were cursed, and Jeremiah was preaching to people that were cursed by God because they did not believe what God said, they did not obey his commandments, okay? So, uh, one final thing, and this is really important, this is the Davidic, the Davidic covenant, and we're going to talk a little bit through through this. Um, Melissa, can I have you read Second Samuel 7, 16? And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Alright, your throne shall be established forever, keep that in mind, okay? So I have this um, on the bottom of the first page. In the Old Testament, God was primarily building and forming his covenant people through the mechanism of physical procreation. All right. Um, let me, uh, I'm going to speed through some of this other stuff kind of quickly. Um, Roman numeral three. God's people are cursed by barrenness because of their disobedience. In, um, well, I have a, Karen, can I have you read Isaiah 48, please? Oh, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand, and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. All right, so here, God is saying, if you obeyed my commandments, what does he bring up again? He brings up this concept of offspring. You would have had offspring. If you obeyed my commandments, your descendants would have been like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. You will see this concept of being cut off. Their name is being blotted out. So this is a huge problem, right? God's people did not obey him. And because of that, they weren't able to have children. And I would think that just that causes, may cause some like relational strain. If you, if, if you, you married basically assuming that you would have children, but you don't have children. Um, this is a sign of God's cursing and some example of God's curse falling on people. So one of them is this, um, Isaiah 4, 1, um, it says, women shall take hold of one man in that they sing, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes and let us, only let us be called by your name, take away our reproach. These women are saying, we have no one else's name to be, no one else's, no one else, um, no one else's name to take. So they're going to stay with their maiden name, they don't have a husband. Um, this is one way that the curse falls on people is the women stay single. Um, another one is children would become, become eunuchs. So eunuchs are people that cannot have uh, sex, they cannot procreate. Um, so therefore, their name will not continue. Their, their family name is blotted out once they die. All right, so this is where um, we as Christians have this great hope because What's really interesting is in every major religion, Judaism, Islam, and I would also throw in um, Mormon, these are the monotheistic faiths, um, all of them say um, having children, being able to find a wife, this is a sign of God's blessing. But if you don't have children, if you don't have a wife, that means that there's something wrong with you. That means that God maybe is not happy with you. The Christians, the Christian story says something completely different. Oh, can, I, can I make a quick yes. comment there? I feel like it's not just 
these religions, I feel like it's like culture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the Asian American dream is you gotta have children. Yeah. Or else you've failed at life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even if you're not thinking about family, like what do we, for those of us that have been single for a long time, like I'm sure like, like when I was single, there were times when I felt like just like deep loneliness, and I was like, oh, I wish I had someone. I'm like, did I do something <laughs> wrong? Did like, is God cursing me? Like, what? Like, like, I like, you know, I'm not like, I don't have like three arms. I don't have like an, uh, an eye growing out of like my forehead. Like, what's wrong with me, right? Um, so I think like not not only just from a religious standpoint, but from a cultural standpoint and from a personal standpoint. Have, have you guys not felt this? Like th those are single. Like have you not felt like, oh, it just stinks to be single. I hate being lonely, and you think maybe it has something to do with my behavior. Maybe if I change something about myself, maybe if I, I obeyed God more, then God would bless me with a boyfriend or girlfriend, or God would bless me with a family. Um, so religion says that, um, our culture says that, we ourselves say that, but the gospel says something different. This is why Christians um, can look at singleness, we can look at dating from a completely different standpoint. And this is where it turns. This is where the turning of the curse. In Isaiah, someone someone prophesies. The prophet Isaiah prophesies that there will be someone born. Tommy, can I have you read um, Isaiah 7, please? Isaiah 7. 14. Uh, right under oh, Roman 14. Okay. <laughs> Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right. Um, what needs to happen to, to, for you to have a child? We said earlier, it's procreation, you have to have sex. What is a virgin? A virgin is someone who's never had sex. It's so weird that the prophet says it's someone that will never have sex, that has never had sex, will have a child. That's weird. Um, guess who <laughs> that person is? Mary. And who came from Mary's body? Jesus. Jesus. All right, so here we see a turning of the curses and the blessings and the covenants of uh, of what the Old Testament has been talking about. Um, remember that, keep in mind the Davidic covenant, your throne shall be established forever. Keep that in mind as I have Dan read this next passage, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon its shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from, his, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. All right. Do you guys see the connection there? The Davidic covenant is fulfilled. This is what Isaiah talks about of the, on the throne of David and over his kingdom. This is an eternal throne that this king is sitting on. And the Davidic covenant is being fulfilled. Um, and then, uh, can I have, Chelsea, can I have you read um, Isaiah 53, please? By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who consider that he was cut off of the land of the living? stricken for the transgression of my people. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes him offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Alright. Um, did Jesus have a family? 
I mean, like like a wife and kids and stuff. Mm. No. So how can how can Isaiah say that he'll have offspring? Jesus didn't have any um, physical children. Guess who that offspring is? It's us. We are the offspring. Us. We are the ones that are loved by God. Um, because of what, because of the appearance of Christ, the, the covenants, they're being fulfilled. That means that people are no longer cursed or blessed because they obey the commandments. But it's because of what Jesus has done that all these covenants are fulfilled. And that means that if we're single, that means if we can't have children or whether we can, it means that we're blessed by God um, and no longer childlessness or not having a, a wife or husband no longer means that God is against you. Okay? Any questions or comments at this point? I know that this is uh, might be a little bit hard to take in because like I did not even like think about I did not even know this stuff and how it relates to dating until like very recently. So um, but I want us to understand the fact this should set the groundwork for us to think about um, what about me? What about my loneliness? What about my singleness? What about the fact that all my friends are getting married and I don't have anyone? What does that mean? Um, what it does not mean is that God is against you. It does not mean that God's curse is against us. Okay? Um, and then because of this offspring, look at after after Isaiah talks about the servant, after Isaiah talks about Jesus in, verse 50, in chapter 53, in verse 54 it says, the infertile woman, we won't read the whole thing, but it says, sing, you women, sing. Singing is a sign of happiness, of rejoicing. And he says, if you're barren, you can sing. And it says this, um, it talks about, um, you won't be ashamed, uh, no longer of your physical condition. You won't be disgraced because you won't, you won't, you no longer, you don't, you no longer have to be embarrassed because of your condition. Um, and it says at the bottom, your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, he is called. No longer do you need a husband, but God is enough for you. Um, that means the infertile woman is blessed. For the eunuch, remember we talked about those that can have sex? It says this. I'm just going to go through it really quickly. Um, uh, second to halfway down. Um, God will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. So it's better to be a child of God than to be offspring of a family that's blessed. Uh, let me say that again. It's better to be a believer. It's better to be um, a Christian. It's better to be, to be a um, the spiritual offspring of Christ than it is to come from a good family. Okay? This is what this verse is saying. It's better to be a son and a daughter of your heavenly father than to be than to come from the best family I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off okay and this is where we come to the new covenants well, I, I, I think you know it's worth about to pause there I feel like we don't really feel the impact of it because we, we're not in you know the ancient world but in the ancient world like children wasn't just like for a name it was like economic livelihood and so mothers who bore lots of children were heroes and then barren women were just looked upon as worthless. Yeah. I mean, what was your use? You, you had no function in society. And so it was so deeply shameful. 
in a way that I think I don't think we can really truly appreciate mm-hmm. the deep level of shame, and and you know it's amazing this promise that the gospel yeah, is totally. giving. Yeah, not only the women like women if you didn't have children if you didn't have a husband basically you're worthless in society yes. right but also as a man if you didn't have a wife society would look at you and say this person is cursed by God. Therefore, you could discriminate against them. Therefore, you could look down on these people. But for the Christians, we say, whether you're single or whether you're married, we're equal. It doesn't. One does not mean that you're more blessed than the other. Um, so this is pretty cool how this works out. The, the gospel is a great equalizer. Um, male, female, Asian, black, white, single, married, divorced. God loves and blesses all these people. All right, the new covenant, and this is where we stand. Um, can I have a joke? Can I have you read the uh, four verses from Jeremiah, please? Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I have made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. All right, thank you. In Jeremiah... We see three things that belong to us. We see we see um let me see. Um I will be my God, I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is a relationship. This is you belong to someone. That person belongs to you. Um, know the Lord, um, and they shall know me. This is knowledge of each other. And I don't know if um, if uh, we sometimes make this connection, but being known is a sign of intimacy. So, if you talk to women, I, I think they like to be known, right? They want to they want to be appreciated for who they are, and this is what God's saying. And here's acceptance as well. Last verse. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Is this not what we all want in a relationship? In, in a dating relationship, in a marriage relationship? Is this not what we want? We want belonging. We want intimacy. We want acceptance. And God says... You don't need a family for that. You don't need a husband or wife for that. I'm enough for you. And um, how Jesus comes into play, Galatians 3, um, and we'll, we're almost done, and then we can talk about some of the more practical aspects and lead into next week as well. Um, Tracy, can I have you read Galatians 3.16, please? Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring. Alright, God promised Abraham that he would have offspring. God promised Abraham that through him, all the nations would be blessed. And here, Galatians, it ties it together. It says, 
Jesus is the one. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenants. And um, this is a promise for us, Galatians 3.29. Jesse, can I have you read that, please? Uh, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. All right, so this sets us up for thinking about singleness. It says says that we are the offspring of God, of of, um, Abraham. We are the ones that are blessed and... Therefore, we no longer we can we can separate this um, what everyone else says about um, having a, a wife or husband or family, and we can say it's okay if I stand alone, apart from a man or a woman or a family. We are complete. We don't need a man or woman to complete us anymore. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the um, the technicalities of that next week, um, because in some ways it is good to have a wife or a husband, right? Um, But if we look at ourselves in terms of the whole biblical story, in terms of the covenants and how Christ has fulfilled that covenant, then we can say um, it's okay if I'm single. It's okay if I I die alone. Um, Because we're now part of something way, way, way bigger. And it's the fact that we are part of God's family. And um, We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but um, for now, let me uh, well, let me let me take some questions. Do you guys have anything like? Does this like bring up more questions, or does it? Are you completely confused, or? Okay, I know that this is yeah. Sorry, like Christianity, you know, this is a bold claim, but I think it's true. Christianity is the only religion that affirms singleness. And it doesn't just affirm singleness as a kind of, you know, implication that you can just ink out the gospel. It specifically says it is good to be single. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it raises up singleness as something that's exemplary, something that's glorifying, something that is satisfying. I think that's really deeply affirming for those of us, for those of you guys who are single, because um, you're not incomplete, you know, you're not lacking. You can be like the bear, the infertile woman and sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's so so. Uh, I hope that's a little bit of comfort to to those that have um, experienced some just. I mean, Paul talks about it as a gift. Mm-hmm. A, a gift it's is a gift not, that no one wants, though. It, well, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Because no, I mean, it's like. You know, if somebody hands you a pile of steaming poo, you would not say, oh, thank you for this gift. A gift implies that it's wonderful. You know, you just tear into it, you're excited. It's this wonderful, satisfying gift of joy. And that's the promise of the gospel, that singleness is a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, um, I think, uh, so when we were sort of thinking about what to teach in this series, like Christian singleness dating, if this was actually originally Christian dating, but then Michael brought up a good point that, you know, like, maybe not everyone's dating right now. Maybe, like, some of us may never date. Um, but all of us at some point in our lives have been single. And how do we think about this this um, phase of our life? So for this lesson, I want us to know that just because you're single, just because you're lonely, just because you can't find someone right now, does not mean that God hates you. It does not mean that God ha- God's hand of blessing is not upon you. Um, it's a gift. It's, yeah, it's a gift. Because of the gospel, right? Do you guys see how how Jesus comes and changes everything? 
even dating, even singleness, right? We think of it just in terms of salvation, but gospel <coughs> speaks to our singleness as well. Um, so there are people saying inside, no. Yes. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yes. Voice your objection. <laughs> well, I totally believe it on a practical level, actually, because you just you have so much more time for God and people and community and... You know, when you're with someone, you have to focus on pleasing the other person, and you know. So, I kind of, I know, I, I might be biased, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I mean, there's a reason. That, you know, he and I are getting married much later than all of our friends. You know, it's, I don't know, but for me, singleness was very enjoyable. You don't have to worry about the other person. <laughs> 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 Great, but guys, say the best. But guys, say the best. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, here, here's here's the thing that I think a lot of us are thinking, but uh, maybe uh, may not want to voice outside. But you're saying, I believe the gospel, but you know what? Life still sucks. I still think about finding a wife. I still think about finding a husband, and it doesn't matter. Just stuff. Like I understand on a practical level or on a um, theoretical level, but that still does not address. <coughs> that I feel. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that next week. I'm going to leave it as a cliffhanger. Um, but does anyone, like to, does anyone have any thoughts on that? Is, is what you're saying only affirming lifelong singleness? Or does this have applicability to people who will be single for a while, but then... Yeah. Well, yeah, that that uh, we'll talk about that also. Okay. Next week. Like it's what Christine brought up. Like for those that are single, we do have more time, right? We do have. Um, we don't have to focus on someone else's um, interests. Like when I before I started dating Christine, like I could do whatever I wanted, and there was no one. I, I didn't have to like. I could I could like stay up like late at night, and I could like hang out with my friends, and I could like. For, for church stuff, like, um, I was able, I did so much for my church down south because I was single. I didn't have to worry, like, worry about, like, you know, like, this other person. It's, and it's, it's not a bad thing because I think it's great to give yourself to another person. But at, at the same time, like, I was able to um, do a lot for, for the church because of that. Um, I don't know. You guys, I, 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 I'm, I'm positive that some of you guys are still going to, like, and it still doesn't really comfort me. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm stepping on next week's lesson, but, you know, in First Corinthians 7, Paul talks about the gift of singleness. And I used to always think Paul only meant lifelong singleness, like what he experienced. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you can think of singleness also as a gift for a season. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that God, we are blessed with certain things. Like, we, if we see someone with a beautiful family, we're like, God has blessed them. And the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God, right? So I think um, in a lot of ways, yeah, like, uh, you are blessed um, 
if you have like a family or if you have a spouse. Um, but can you think of it in terms of that's like if this is like the pile of God's blessing for us, if family is like this much, that doesn't look right. <laughs> um, but like it's, it's that I mean like there's a there's um so I mean like our, there's no marriage in heaven. Okay, I'll, I'll say that. I'm I'm leading into next week's lesson. But then there's no marriage in heaven. There's no sexual relations in heaven. We're not gonna like I'm not gonna be married to Christine in heaven. Michael's not gonna be married to Christina, and uh, Tommy's not gonna be married to Catherine in heaven. There's no marriage in heaven. Are we any less complete in heaven? No, we'd be fully thousand percent complete. And um, that speaks a lot about the temporal aspect of of, of marriage or of singleness. Um, and in the new heaven and new earth, we're not going to have to worry about trying to find a date. We're not going to have to worry about our our, our wife or our husband. Um, no singles bars in heaven. <laughs> it's going to be one huge like singles party where everyone has fun. Worships God. So we'll talk. We'll talk more about the practical. I don't want to keep us too long. But any final cl- closing comments? Can you speak to our Asian parents? I'll start the consultation with you. Okay, I, I, I realize that there are a lot of um, loose ends, and I know that there are financial questions. Um, so thank you, this week, next week. But I just wanted this week for us to think about biblically what does it mean to be um, married or single? Okay? So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your son. And um, the fact that your son completes us says that we no longer need a wife or husband or anything else, but all we need is you. You're everything to us, God, and I pray that we would learn that truth and it sinks deeper into our hearts as time goes on, God. We are not cursed, we're not hated by you if we experience loneliness or singleness or whatever. But uh, I just pray that uh, for this for this tough really tough aspect. I know that so many people they are just, their hearts are broken because they can't find someone. And, uh, they're, they're so lonely because they can't seem to connect with anyone, God. May you give extra comfort and extra grace to those people. And uh, May the gospel speak even to that, God. So We um, look forward to what you're going to do in their lives and our lives. And um, We also look forward to the next hour as we worship together. 